0: Okay, since we have kids in here today, um, my, my kids don't count, they're not allowed to do this, but uh, if I'm Eleanor, welcome back. Um, go Chiefs. Um, yeah, if, if this gets boring up here for the kids, you're allowed to yell boring and I'll try to make it less boring, okay? Avery, you boys are disqualified from this. Um, Okay, so where we're going today, we're talking about um, this text, I think, in what Jesus has for us in this text is going to make us question whether we can trust our eyes, whether we can trust our perception of things. And uh, recently I had a chance to experience this. Uh, I was going to Dose, and a man uh, met me outside of Dose, and he told me that he needed a Bible and $40. And if I could get him that, that he would get me $200 later, and he found out I was a pastor, and he said he would be a member of my church. And so we had a conversation, and then at some point in the conversation, he came inside with me, and it got interesting. I can tell you the full story later if you want to hear it. But at one point, um, I didn't have the $40, but I had a Bible, so I gave it to him, and it turns out that was a test that I failed. And he came back in to dose, and he said, is this your personal Bible? And I said, yeah. And he said, You don't ever give that to somebody else. Like, what? You asked me for it. And he said, I don't need it. I got plenty of Bibles. Like, what? And then he said, I'm not homeless. I'm a billionaire. And Taylor Swift tries to steal things from me. I was like, dude, I had no idea this guy was a billionaire. I didn't necessarily think he was homeless, but leaning more that way. Um, But you just never know, right? Okay, that's a silly example, but... Uh, how about this week? How about how this week has gone for y'all? Um, and being able to see the things that the Lord maybe is doing. Um, I know for me, uh, if you were here last week, we asked y'all to pray for our elder retreat, which is one of my favorite weekends of the year because I get to spend it with these three other men that the Lord's called here, and uh, is life-giving. It it's a place and a time where we get to connect with the Lord and connect with each other. And we laugh and we have fun and we rest. And we also uh, feel like that's where the Lord speaks to us about a lot of things going on in the the coming year. And uh, it just became very clear that it was not time to go away to the mountains for this retreat this weekend. And I was so sad and so angry and so disappointed. And uh, that has been an exercise this week. Uh, We we, we actually, for those of you who prayed, and um, here's a little update. It it was great. We met on Friday. We basically met in town all day Friday. And the Lord was very kind to us. Um, But still, I'm still sad because it wasn't what I was really hoping for. Um, But that has been a conversation with him this week of, do you trust me? Maybe I can see things that you can't see. And maybe this is... Good for reasons that you know nothing about, and so um, this this is like our this was going to be the last week of this series, and now it looks like we may have one more week. But this was just a little vision series for January called "What We Have in Christ." And the idea, if you haven't been with us, is that um, it's easy to start every year uh, feeling like we're starting from a deficit. I'm not this enough, so in this new year I'm going to ramp this up. Uh, I'm not attractive enough, so I'm going to get in shape, or I'm not you know, uh, successful enough. So I'm really going to double down. I'm going to read a bunch of business leadership books or whatever it is, but we have all these, I'm going to, uh, you know, who knows? The possibilities are endless. And those things are not bad things in and of themselves, but it all depends on our motive. And if we believe that I am not okay the way that I am now, if I am believing that I actually am at a deficit and I need to be better for people to love me or for me to have purpose or for God to love me or whatever, that's very bad. That's very unhealthy because that's not true for those of us who are in Christ. And so we thought, let's start this year just zeroing in on the gospel. We're, we're going to places in Paul's letters where he just lays out the gospel so clearly. And we're just gonna dwell and enjoy and unpack and sit in the truth of God's love for us in Jesus Christ and what we have. And uh, it's, it's just too easy to believe that we need, 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 need. But if we really stop and sit, we realize we, we have everything, And the things that we will need that we may not have today, we have now a Heavenly Father who loves us. We have a Holy Spirit who's dwelling in us. We have a Jesus who's given everything and is now still present through His Spirit shepherding us. So anything that we don't have today that we need, not to mention this body of brothers and sisters who can share with one another, um, we already have in Christ. And He will provide for us. He will take care of us. Um, And so today... Uh, whoever's reading our passage can come on up, Maddie. Um, as Maddie's coming up, we are going to be in Second Corinthians chapter five, verses fourteen through twenty-one. 2
1: Corinthians five, fourteen through twenty-one. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for the truth that it conveys to us. And I pray that you would do what you talk about in this passage, uh, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened and that we would be able to see how much you love us and how you have accomplished your love for us through the giving of your son, through his life, his death, his resurrection. And to see the way that you dwell in us now, the way that you are working new life in us, that we are, if we are in Christ, we are not who we were. There's, there's literally new life in us. And I pray that you would give us eyes to see this, Um, to be encouraged, to be convicted, maybe most of all of unbelief and to uh, give ourselves to you so that you could open our eyes and show us life and help us to experience more and more of what we have in you. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. So where, where this is going, just a little brief outline for us is um, Paul is sharing the gospel. And then he says that this, among other things, is going to change the way that we see people. This is going to change the way that we see Jesus. It's going to change the way that we see each other. And it's going to change the way we see people who are not yet in Christ. And uh, this lines up, this passage, all these passages, um, imagine that, line up with our vision statement here at Midtown West. And this is not just a, a flowery statement that we came up with. This is a working statement that we lean on. And we, we use this statement because we believe that this is the way that the Lord is fulfilling the great commission in our midst in Nashville, in this body in the year 2024. And uh, so our vision statement is this, that we are on adventure with Jesus to be set free, set others free, and enjoy that freedom together. As we walk through this passage, we see um, Paul is basically explaining this in, in different, different terms. So we start in verses 14 and 15 with, with the gospel. Um, And Paul says because of what Christ has done, because of what the Father has done for us in Christ, now the love of Christ controls us. That word uh, control is to have continual influence and direction um, because it changes everything. We are under the control of the love of Christ. We are under the control. We are being controlled by the love of God because it changes our whole lives. It says, because one has died for all, therefore all have died. So um, what does that mean? Well, it means when we see the word all, it doesn't mean everyone in the whole world. It means all who's receiving this message. So first, the Corinthians, those who are in Christ in the church of Corinth. God saying, uh, Paul's saying to them, God through Christ has um, died for all of you. Like you have new life in Christ because of what he's done for you. So this is true of anyone who's in Christ throughout history. And so it's true for us. And he says, because one died for all of us who are in Christ, um, then therefore all have died. And so the question is, what have we all died to? If, if, If Christ has died for me, then what have and I have new life in him, then what have I died to? And the answer is to the needs and the desires of the flesh. Because apart from Jesus, I am only, can only be motivated by the desires of my flesh, my perceived needs and my desires that are set on course um, by the enemy, by my own selfish, sinful desires. And so when I am separated from God, and that's the one thing that I was made for, then I'm going to be filled with fear. I'm going to be filled with pride trying to do life apart from him. I'm going to be filled with shame when it doesn't work out and I don't do a good job of doing life apart from him. I'm going to be filled with guilt for the sin that I'm committing, even when I want to pretend like uh, God doesn't exist or or that I'm actually a great guy and I'm pumping myself up full of uh, my own version of myself. Um, That's all still in there because I was made in God's image. I can't escape from it. So, we are being filled <laughs> and living out of fear and pride and shame and guilt and neediness and this orphan mentality because we have to take care of ourselves because nobody else will. And so everything that, that just sets our life on fire and everything that I say and think and do and aim for is all set by those things so i'm afraid of these things and so i act in this way or i'm i'm full of shame and so i act in this way or i'm full of pride and arrogance and so i treat people this way or act this way and jesus is saying because or paul is saying because jesus has died for us you have all died to that you have died to living for yourselves which there's a way in which you can hear that and say well that's not good because i want to live for myself and do the things that i want to do but what paul's explaining here is That's actually a gift because living for yourself is death. Living for yourself is death. It's all the things I just talked about. It's following, it's being dragged around by fear and shame and pride and just making a wreck of life the way that it was meant to be lived. And so Paul's saying, now you have all died to that stuff so that you can live to what? so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. This is not like a, hey, I bought you, um, and so now you're mine, and and I'm going to put you to work. Um, This is more like, uh, has anybody seen the new Wonka movie? Seven of you. Um, Well, I saw it, okay? And so when I saw it, what I saw on the screen was, um, you know, Willy Wonka is inviting people into this new way of living. He comes into this place and sees people that are trapped in these different ways, in these small lives, and, and trapped by their poverty, and trapped by their small thinking. And he creates this beautiful place that is full of life, and it's like nothing they've ever seen, nothing they've ever experienced. And when they work there, and when the people come in to shop there, they are delighted, it is so life-giving. It is so freeing. And that's what we're talking about. It's like living for yourselves, like working at the Hershey factory, where you just make the most boring chocolate bar of all time. It's a rectangle. It doesn't taste good. It tastes like wax. You could either work there or you could work at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, where everything comes alive and it's magic. And so that's what we're talking about here, is that you are now set free from living for yourselves to live for the one who set you free. And the one who set you free actually loves you and didn't just set you free and then run off. Like he set you free so that you could live with him and do life with him in a way that is gonna be like nothing you've ever experienced before. Because it's only in him that you and I will find real life and experience real life. And so now Paul moves into this specific application of the gospel that's the rest of our passage And he says in verse 16, from now on, therefore, therefore is because of the gospel, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't regard Jesus according to the flesh. We don't regard each other according to the flesh. We don't regard those who are outside of Christ according to the flesh. What does that mean to regard someone according to the flesh? It means to um, perceive and see them according to what we can see, physically, physically, Um, worldly standards, worldly ways of judging, things that we think we can fully see with our eyes. Um, It's all the stuff that maybe we thought we wanted to do and improve uh, with our New Year's resolutions. It's whether they're successful or they have a lot of money or um, they're smart or they are attractive or whatever it is. And Paul's saying, hey, because of the truth of the gospel, we don't regard anyone according to these things anymore. And so let's, let's walk into that and un- understand what he's talking about. He starts by saying, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we even once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We don't regard him according to the flesh anymore. What's he talking about? Well, remember, this is Paul. So remember Paul's life. Paul thought he was doing God a huge favor. And the one who was God himself, the one who is the very son of God, who was sent in the world to save the world through his life, death, and resurrection, Paul totally missed it and was opposing everything he did. Paul was actively trying to round up Christians and throw them in jail or have them killed. So Paul missed it completely. When he tried to regard Christ according to the flesh, what he saw was wrong. He saw a man who was a teacher outside the authority of the established channels of authority. He saw a poor Jewish son of a carpenter who was raised in in a nowhere place. He didn't have any talents. He wasn't particularly educated. He wasn't particularly attractive in any way. So when Paul, Paul said, like, I'm telling you, I regarded him according to the flesh and it got me in a very bad place because I could not see. I could not trust, and now I cannot trust myself to regard people according to the flesh because it doesn't, it's not accurate. Because is it true that Jesus was a poor carpenter? Yes. Is it true that he was a Jewish man that lived at a certain time? Yes. Is it true that he was a teacher? Yes. But maybe what's more true about him was that he was. God, and that he dwelt in the heavenly throne room, and that he was the savior of the world, and that he was the king of over the whole cosmos. And those were the things that Paul could not see when he was trying to regard him according to the flesh. So Paul's like, man, I've learned my lesson. Listen to what this says in Isaiah 53. This is saying the same thing. Who has believed what he has heard from us? Like This is going to be hard to believe because when you regard Jesus according to the flesh, you're going to miss it. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, who is Jesus, the one who is to come and be the Christ, he grew up before him, the Father, like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, Acquainted with grief. I mean, if we're judging by his earthly life, he looks like a total loser, a powerless loser. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. That word esteem is like, I'm gonna evaluate and value you and put a judgment of value on you. And when we try to do that according to worldly standards with Jesus, we will all miss it. We all esteemed him not. (laughs) He did not count. He was not of worth. Surely, though, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him as stricken. Like he's being punished because he's wrong. We couldn't see that he was stricken for us. Like he was going to carry all of our sins to the cross so that we could be set free. But the whole way he was going, we said, this guy must be cursed because he's got it pretty bad. He must be wrong. He must be a liar. He must be uh, misguiding people because God is punishing him. And we couldn't see that, no, no. (laughs) He is sinless. He is beloved. He is the son of God. The only reason he's going and experiencing this pain and this sorrow is because we're the ones that deserve death, and he's carrying our burdens and our sins, and everything on his back belongs to us, and we couldn't see that. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but the reality was what we couldn't see he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds, We are healed. All of God's plan of salvation for all of history was happening right before their eyes, and they all missed it. And so Paul's like, hey, I'm learning. I'm not regarding Jesus according to the flesh anymore. And then he transitions in the next verse, verse 17. um, Hey, on top of that, I'm not regarding anyone (laughs) according to the flesh anymore. Uh, if, if you're Marvel movie fans, uh, it makes me think about the the first Doctor Strange, which I think is one of the best Marvel movies. The the scene where you know he's so arrogant, he's this incredible surgeon, and he goes to see I, don't, I forget Tilda Swinton. She's bald and she wears a robe. What's her name? What's her like title? Does anybody know? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. So he goes to see her. <laughs> He goes to see her and uh, she's like, hey, uh, you don't know anything. And he's like, who are you? And then she does this like, you know, pushes him out of it into his astral form, I think they say. Um, And he is exposed to an entire multiverse of realities that he had no clue existed. And in his arrogance, all he could see was this strange, bald woman uh, in front of him, but he had no idea who she was and he had no idea what was out there. And just because he had a degree from a medical school and he could do certain surgeries well, he thought he knew everything about everything and he knew nothing. And that's like us too. I mean, some of us are really successful. Some of us are really brilliant but you're probably brilliant in one thing or successful in one thing, and that doesn't mean you know anything about the spiritual world. It doesn't translate. And in fact, this is what Paul talks about in Philippians 3. You can go back and read this sometime, but he's, he's explaining after his moment where the Lord pushes him out of his physical body, so to speak, um, he's now telling people, if anyone had reason to boast, I had more And I'm telling you that it's all trash now because of what I know about God's love for me in Christ, because of what I now know about my real condition of being in desperate need and unable to do anything for myself, everything I prided myself on is trash, everything. And so let's ask this question. This is what Paul's learning, but let's learn it too If that's true, and if what I do for myself, if if we think about the fact that we are eternal beings and we are going to live forever, and the way that we live forever, we have no power to accomplish this for ourselves, but it's all been done in Christ, then isn't it foolish that we spend so much time and effort and priority on regarding ourselves and one another? according to worldly measurements. Like by what kind of house somebody lives in or what kind of job somebody has or what somebody looks like. Because guess what? In the scheme of eternity, that matters trash. Absolutely trash. Is that true about these people? Is that true about me? Yeah, of course it is. (laughs) But it's the same way that, hey, it was true that Jesus wore a certain kind of robe when he was 27 and a carpenter. It's like, okay, great. That's true. But he's also the king of the universe. And that's more true about him. And the same is true for us is that because of the new life in Christ that is dwelling in us, that is what's most true of us. It's not what kind of clothes we wear. And it's not what our face looks like. And it's not what kind of uh, job we have. It is the fact that we are sons and daughters of God who have been purchased by Jesus to live for him and to live with him and to experience life with him. And so that's a prayer, as, especially this week, I was thinking about this passage, um, that we would learn how to see each other the right way. Um, that we would not develop factions in this body because that is worldly and that is from the enemy that is not of Christ and that is not healthy, but that we would, you know, not even anything like angry or hateful, but just slowly, quietly retreat to my little section of Midtown West that looks and acts like me. And then that's cool that we've got those weird folks over there and they love doing their weird stuff. And they can do that, but I'm just gonna be over here. No, like we We all need to be with one another. It doesn't mean that we all need to know every single person in this room as well as we know our best friends because that may not be possible, but it means that we need to be open and have an attitude and a mindset of openness to the people that the Lord has brought into these deep relationships through this body. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This week, I, there were several times with my kids being stuck in our house that I did not feel like that was true. It felt like the old was here and really loud. But, <laughs> but Paul is saying, no. No. The old has passed away. The old self is dead. We still live in this body of flesh, but the new has come. Um, Why does Paul have to tell us this? Because we're all going to feel like the way I felt this week. We're all going to be like, are we sure that the the old has gone? Are we sure that the new has come? And Paul's saying, yeah, you need to hear this. Yes, the old is gone, the new has come. And he says in Ephesians 1.18 that he's talking to Christians, remember this, that we need the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Even when we are in Christ, we need him to continually open our eyes to what is most true about us, about him, about one another, because we can't always trust our perception. We can't always trust our value to know like, what is in front of us. Um, Lindsay, if you could throw that picture up. Okay, does anybody know who this is? Who could ever have imagined that this baby would grow up to write the very scripture that we're reading? This is Apostle Paul's baby picture. And in this moment, when he was in his baptismal gown, you'd be like, that's just a baby. Like, no offense to babies in here. But that's a baby. Like, what value does that have? But the Apostle Paul, not really. It's a joke. Um, if that was like, if you needed me to say that to know that wasn't the Apostle Paul, we needed to have a conversation. Um, but I'm not going to regard you according to that. I'm going to regard you according to Christ. and But just think about, like, when you see, I was thinking about this because a few of us were throwing um, old pictures around this week. And if you think about, like, a picture of any of us when we were this age, it's like, you're not going to see the fullness of that person, right? But the fullness of that person is in there. And that's the same way here with us now. It's like we are not gonna see the fullness of what it is that the new has come. We are not gonna see that fully, but it's just like the way that the Lord has given us all these pictures in nature and in our experience of growth. Most of the time, it is slow and incremental, but he is moving, he is working, he is growing, he is maturing us, and we can rest in that. It is like um, when you are sick, and you are given an antibiotic, there is a new force that is working in your body, and maybe it's like a 10-day cycle, I feel like that's what most of them are, but like the first day or so that you're taking that antibiotic, you don't necessarily feel that much different, but the old is gone because that's all getting killed, and the new has come, and new life is here and is coming, and that's true for us, okay. So now, the last couple of verses here, um, it changes, the gospel changes the way that we see those who are not yet in Christ. It says, In Christ, God was reconciling, which means restoring to friendly terms the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal which that word appeal uh, means asking someone to accept the hospitality that's been offered them, making his appeal through us. So we implore you, we beg you with urgency on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So now, the people in our lives who are not yet in Christ, um, y'all, we are ambassadors, If you ever wonder whether your life has any purpose or value, the God of the universe has literally made you an ambassador, a representative of him with his authority to go to anyone you find and tell them the good news of God's hospitality for them, making a space for them through giving himself away so that they could have life. And what does he ask them to do? Just accept it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to be somebody. You have to get better. Just accept it. And so he puts us where he puts us for this very reason. He surrounds us with the people that some of them are really irritating. But that's when I'm regarding them according to the flesh. Because he calls us to follow in his steps. And what he did was he did not count their trespasses against them. That's not what I do uh, apart from Christ. I keep a long list of their trespasses and, and think about why they're annoying and why I don't want to see them and why I don't want to be around them, why I don't want to work in a cubicle next to them, why I don't want to share a driveway with them. Anything. But he's saying, no, 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 That's not who you are now. Like, you are an ambassador to this person. It's like the way the United States has ambassadors to China or to Jamaica. We just watch Cool Runnings you are an ambassador to Brian, whoever Brian is. You are an ambassador to Amy. You are an ambassador to these specific, you are God's ambassador to these specific people. Now, what that doesn't mean is you're not responsible for their salvation. But what it does mean is that you've been given this beautiful gift to give them. And you just are responsive to his spirit is he moves you toward them to offer them life. And it doesn't cost anything. All they have to do is just take it. And what a beautiful thing that he calls us to. And it's all so that we might become the righteousness of God, that we might enjoy total freedom apart from sin, filled with his righteousness. So if you're tracking with our vision statement, It's that we're on adventure with Jesus to be set free. We're learning not to regard ourselves or each other according to the flesh anymore. And to set others free. That I'm actually an ambassador entrusted with the gospel message for the people in my life who don't know Jesus. That I'm always thinking, I'm being intentional, I'm praying, I'm asking, I'm responsive to the Spirit's leading and opening doors for conversation so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we might enjoy that freedom together and have life in him. So we're not gonna do it now, but here is some homework for this week. I would love for everybody to write down two names. The first is a name of someone in this congregation who you either find it hard to love, or maybe you're not even close enough yet, but you just feel like that person is strange and I don't ever see us being close. I want you to write that name down. And then I want you to write the name down of someone in your life who is hard to love who is not in Christ. And then take this week and ask the Lord to open the eyes of your heart so that you can see them not according to the flesh, but according to what he says is true about them. And to see uh, how that changes our perception. Jesus, we need you to do that. We need you to do that very thing. We need you to change our perception. We need you to open our eyes, to have the spiritual eyes of our hearts enlightened, to see, to remember, to know with your knowing. I pray you do that, and I pray that it would change the way we relate to you, the way we relate to ourselves, the way we relate to one another the way that we relate to those who are outside of your body now, that, Lord willing, one day uh, will be our brothers and sisters and will be a part of this body. And we ask you to do this for us, even use worship uh, as we continue to worship to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.